Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Thomas Edison What is the language of leadership? It is the skills, traits, lessons learned, communications, and inspirations of leaders. The Language of Leadership podcast will help you develop the successful tools renowned leaders have discovered and have used effectively, sharing with you how to be the leader you desire to be and the leader your team will desire to follow. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. On this week's episode of The Language of Leadership, our guest is Larry Milligan. Larry worked in radio and television for 17 years before returning to college to complete his degree. He graduated from Colorado Christian University with a BA in elementary education and then received his master's in administration and education from the University of Phoenix. Larry coached baseball from 1992 until 2021 and was a part of a 14 state championship and was an administrator for six more. Married to Laurel Milligan for 30 years, he has three boys, Lane, an all-Colorado catcher from Cherry Creek High School, and first-team All-American at Oklahoma City University, a 17th-round draft pick by the Red Sox in 2018. Tyler, an All-State pitcher from Rye High School and a second-team Sooner Conference pitcher. Cody, an All-State catcher from Benninger, Oklahoma, first-team All-American at Cali, Kansas, J.C., and then a ninth-round draft pick by the Atlanta Braves currently in double a with this organization and he also has a daughter kaylee who was an all-state outfielder from benninger oklahoma and is now in her final year of nursing school larry's been an administrator for the past 17 years and just recently retired to spend more time traveling and spending time with his wife and family now our interview with larry milligan Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Language of Leadership. I am your host, Chuck Marting, and this week we have a very special guest, Larry Milligan. I, Larry and I have been friends for, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, Larry. We've been friends for over 20 years, dude. Yeah, I thought about that. I was, somebody asked me, we were talking about this. They asked me when I met you and I started to say Thornton Middle School, but you and I met before then. We were at York Middle School together. And so I was like, well, we, it's been a long time. It's I said, I, he was the, he was working at the very, very, very first teaching job I ever had in education. So that's, that's been yeah. a while. Yeah. So it's been great. Uh, Larry has a very unique perspective on leadership and I've been wanting to get him on for a while. And that is because he uh, was not only instilled a coach, um, but he's also uh, been a, an administrator, school administrator, and um, been able to have that perspective. And I can tell you right now, having worked with him in the schools when I was in law enforcement, uh, dealing with middle school kids is a is a challenge in and of itself. Um, and so there's a lot of different perspectives. And so I feel that uh, today's episode of, of the language of leadership is going to be great, having those perspectives and being able to key in on the things that have helped Larry be successful in both those endeavors. So I'm going to let Larry give a little bit of introduction and his background and stuff, but Larry, great to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for letting me be on. It's an honor to be a part of this and, and, you know, the world needs 
board leaders, and I'm not going to say like myself, that's not in any way, shape or form what I mean, but, you know, leaders are out there and we need them to be leading in the right direction. And, you know, it's one of those things I grew up in Southern Oklahoma uh, on a farm, a little ranch thing. And then, so I've had, um, I grew up in Oklahoma my entire life, moved to Colorado right before I met you. Actually, I lived in Colorado about uh, five years before I met you. So was, I moved in the mid nineties and uh, got married and have four children out there. And it's been a, uh, I've got a job now. I, I came back to Oklahoma in uh, 2014 as an administrator. I got an administration job here and, and uh, it's brought me back home and, and I got to keep doing a lot of the same thing. Coach baseball. I've been a baseball coach for the last 25 years. I've um, stopped doing that once my kids all got out of school. But uh, 25 years of coaching, a lot of success, and a lot of uh, state championships for all of my kids. Uh, I have four children. I, I own a. I own a. Uh, and I say I do this. This is really that's really unfair to say that. But uh, I have a distinction that I have four children that have all four. Uh, won state championships and all four have have made all state in their respective sports and in baseball and softball and at four different schools. So it's been one of those situations where, you know, usually you get a, a kid like, for example, my oldest one graduated from Cherry Creek High School there in Colorado. So um, everybody, the tradition, everybody thinks they all went to Cherry Creek and they didn't. They went to different schools uh, and won their state championships and they're all diff individually different. And it's, it's been one baseball's been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to my family. It's been a, uh, a thing that has been one of the best things that, uh, been a part of my life. Mark Johnson, who is the baseball coach at Cherry Creek high school, one of the greatest leaders. And I learned a lot of things from him and a lot of the things that I instill on a baseball field, a lot of things that really molded me as the leader I was on the baseball field came through him. Um, he is a phenomenal man uh selfless man he doesn't he could care less if anybody in the world knew who he is it means a lot more to him that people know who cherry creek is and who those kids are than ever means that knows who he is and and that to me that's what it is being a leader um you have to have that trust in the people around you um yeah. if somebody around you you know when i was working not as a as a coach or as an administrator but in my other jobs that I've worked at UPS and Frontier Airlines and different things like that, if you're not willing to work beside them, you know, I used to tell my crew, they always say, I'm, a, I'm working for you today. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're working with me today. And it's, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what it is. Um, a great high school principal doesn't sit behind his desk. He's walking the hallways. He's talking to kids. He's talking to teachers. A great teacher doesn't sit behind her desk or his desk. They, they're standing up, walking around the classroom talking to their kids to me being a part of of their lives and being a part of who they are and being a part of their you know knowing who your your employees are knowing who your uh, students are knowing who your teams are you know things of that nature that that to me if you don't have that it's tough to be a leader it's really tough you know larry there's there's something that popped into my mind as you're talking and i think this is an excellent question for you and i and i um when I think about this and that is how can a leader know their purpose? Cause it's very evident when having worked with you and knowing you, you knew exactly what your purpose was. And I know when you have purpose, it motivates you and it keeps you going and it's what drives you. So yeah. how do you, 
how do you figure out what that purpose is? I think through a lot of trial and error is a lot of big things. I mean, a, a great example, um, and I'll use two different examples. Um, the school that I'm at currently is very, very successful in state. But as a matter of fact, they're playing for their seventh state basketball championship in the last nine years today. Wow. today. And wow. so they're very successful. Their coach has those expectations. I'm going to go back, and I know this is going to be something dear to your heart. Do you remember the movie Miracle where Herb Brooks says, they're like, you know, hey, we, you know, I, you know, you're wanting to beat the Russians. I think it's kind of a lofty goal. He goes, yeah, that's why I want to do it. I mean, don't set go. People always say, oh, don't set your goals too high. You'll never attain them. If you don't set them high, you have no shot at me there. So try to do the way, push yourself to be better than you ever thought you could possibly be. And you might get there. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, you're never going to hit a pitch you don't swing at. I mean, I, I don't ever yell at a kid. Not once have I ever yelled at a kid. This since I mean, you know, I may yell to myself or turn around and say something like, "Don't swing at that." But I don't say to them, "What are you doing? Why are you not?" Why? If you know, I had a kid swing. We we had a ball game one time, and I never will forget it. I was coaching at Random High School there in Denver, and uh, uh, three two count, bases loaded, tie ball game. A walk, you know, walk, walks it off. We win the ball game because it was loaded bases. It was bases were loaded. And he swings and misses ball four. I mean, balls up over his head, and he's he comes over and he's like shaking his head. He's like, "Sorry, coach." I said, "Well, man, just think how far, how, how far it had gone if you'd hit it." I mean, and because you 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 can't take that the effort away from these kids. You can't take that effort away from the people. And you know, when you, when you hire a guy, mm-hmm. somebody made a comment one time. He's like, "You know, I I I just want to work." You know, he he uh, we hired a teacher who had been a principal. And his first comment to me was, I don't want your job. I can just tell you right now, I don't want your job. And I told him, I said, you should want my job. I said, I want you to work like you want my job. I want you to push yourself to take my job. Because if you do, that makes me work harder to keep it. And I said that it's it's one of those situations where you look at the big picture. And so many people nowadays in our world look at the small picture. They don't look at the big picture. They look exactly. at a situation that happens in Oklahoma City or Denver or whatever. And they don't take the in consideration the effect it's having on the world. And it, it's we've got to make a lot of changes in our world because some of our leadership is I don't know if they're, you know, in that in that capacity. I mean, not, we're not going the right direction in our world. And that's and that's not in Oklahoma and that's not in Denver. It's in everywhere. It's not, you know, it's not California. It's not a you know, it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It's 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 a world thing, and we gotta we gotta figure that out. So. Yeah, we do, and that's 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 it's an incredible thing to see. And I've I've seen through leadership people that have just been put into a position because it was assumed because they were such a good team member that they're going to be an excellent leader. And we plug them in there, but then we set them up for for failure because we Absolutely. don't teach them how to be a leader. So, how does a leader inspire action? I and I've I've witnessed you do this with kids that you were coaching. I've seen you do it as an administrator, and you're very good at this. And I and I think there's um, things that you were dialing in on. So, as a leader, how would you inspire action for a team? What did you do to get people to do the things that you needed them to do and have it be their idea. I think one of the biggest things was I gave them that, that rope, I gave them that ownership to, Hey, you know, let's, you know, when you are a part of a team 
and you're the, okay, you're going to lead this group. Everybody has to do their part. And so making them understand that you're as important or more important than I am. You know, I, I tell kids all the time when I coach them, I can show you, I can give you all the pieces of the puzzle, but if you don't put it together, we're not going to, we're not going to win. It's not going to be successful. If we don't do, you know, baseball is a toughest job because it's nine different guys doing nine jobs. And if one guy don't do his job, we don't win. And I tell mm -hmm. people, no one person has ever won a team state title. Never. I mean, I, I, in, in the history of the world of athletics, no one person has won a team state title because it takes everybody. And I think one of the biggest things that you do is nowadays people say, here, here's your job. Go do this without going with them and saying, let's, let's, let me, let me, let me do your job and show you what we're going to be doing on this. And this is what I expect from you. Um, I, I talked to a guy the other day, we were talking about training some people to do a job. He's like, nobody knows what they're doing. I said, have they been taught to do what they're, what they're supposed to be doing? And well, you know, they, they know how to do that. I said, but if they don't, the biggest thing is you may be able to do the job, but not the way your company or your boss or your coach wants you to do it. So there's a difference in doing the job and, and knowing how to do the job. Because if I have you do something, Chuck, and I know you've been a police officer. And if I went to work for you tomorrow doing the, you know, the stuff that you do, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I probably could wing my way through it. You know, and then you'd say, hang on, you're not doing it right. Well, if the job is done, it was right. No, it doesn't, doesn't mean it's right just because I got to complete it. So trying to make sure, and, and, and I think one of the biggest things, I go back to it, and I do this a lot, and I want to, and I'll tie it into something else. Know who you have that you're working with. You become a better leader by knowing them. And I'll give you a great example, and we'll go back to the movie because it's one of my favorites. Anytime I get depressed and frustrated, I watch the movie Miracle. You guys will figure that out before we're done here. <laughs> and in the one situation where Rob McClanahan gets hurt, and he's sitting down there, and that doc said, I can't play. He goes, oh, yeah, you you know, you're bruised. It's a long way from your heart. You know, and he calls him a name and, and makes him mad. And the kid, he's like, I want you to be a hockey player. I am a hockey player. They get into a yell, and he walks up and goes, that'll get them going. You know, they kind of it's kind of a move that was part that people kind of laugh about. But had he not known Rob McClanahan and had he not known how he would react to what he did for the positive of the team, he wouldn't have done that. You didn't see him yelling at Jim Craig that way or, or one of the other guys. Um, everything you do is for a purpose. Every if you, if you watch that show and at one time uh, Craig Patrick, his assistant, question him he's like I don't, I don't think you push him this hard and he says you know i made him take that test so i knew i could push him this hard he knew who they were before they started i don't need the best players i need the right ones you don't need the best team all the time you need the right people mm, yeah. you know some guy who is a multi-billion dollar winner in this company and you hire him because hey, he's gonna make our company better it may not fit it doesn't that, that's not a guarantee you have to have the right people for what you're doing. Yeah, and as the teacher, you're molding everybody to be that right person. You're going into them and telling them, listen, the, I think the biggest thing that teachers lack nowadays, and it's not it's not uh, every teacher. So please understand, I'm not blanketing the whole educational system. I'm not. Or coaches or anything else. One thing Mark Johnson taught me 
And it's a phrase that I used every year I ever coached baseball. I know where I'm going to be next year. Let's see where we can get you. And kids already knew right then, this guy's doing it for me. He's trying to figure out how he can get me to college or to pro or to wherever. And I know where I'm going to be. Let's see what I can do for you. Let's see what we can get done. You go do your part and I'll take care of everything else. And kids will do anything for you. I mean, it, it, it's it's a scenario where you, when they believe in you and they know you believe in them, it's a, it's, that's the, one of the best things there is. And well, when you made the comment about our, our life together at Thornton middle school, you know, we took some kids that were, you know, pretty honorary and I still see, I still get messages from some of them today, you know, their parents <laughs> themselves, which is a scary thought yeah. to some of those kids are parents, but they, you know, they are. And, and I still talk to a lot of them because of the impact they had on my life. And, you know, and I hope to have on theirs. You know, Larry, you had one thing that, that I really want to get your perspective on that you taught me. And I don't even know if you know this or not, but it's the number one principle that I've lived by um, towards the end of my career. When I realized what it was uh, as an entrepreneur, as a coach myself with coaching leaders and, and uh, business people and teaching leaders like I'm doing now with you. And that is taking a hundred percent accountability for your actions and what you do. Now, the reason why I mentioned that with you is we worked really close together. Me as a law enforcement officer in the school, you as an administrator with these kids and seeing how you approach the, that topic with kids or even with adults when we had to was very inspiring for me um, just to sit back and watch. So talk to me about 100% accountability and why that's not only important for a leader, but for a team as well. I think one of the biggest things that, that, that and I'll go use the, the scenario, and I remember some of the scenarios we dealt with with parents. Um, we had a parent one time that was, we were disciplining their child and came up and was furious. I mean, they were, they were wanted to, I mean, that way thought they were going to have to call the cops. You know, we ever have to be yelling, Hey, you need to come over. We got a parent that's, you know, pretty right rate, you know, but before they walked out of the office, they realized we're not against their kid. We're just for making him do what we need him to do and be successful inside our, our, our scope of things inside of our building. You know, there are rules in this building. You know, we don't walk into your house and tell you how to raise your kids. Don't come in here and tell us how to, to, to run our building. And, and I think one of the biggest things is, and this is kind of goes along, and I mean, I trust me, I'm honored to, that you said that about um, impact and the, the way you do things, but you have to be accountable. The prom- one of the biggest problems in the world is we everybody, it's everybody else's fault in, in kids nowadays. I've never, I mean, the, there's a running joke in, in the coaching world right now that says players win, coaches lose. Mm. Okay. You know, and but it's 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 a that's the way it is. As soon as the game loses against a team that's could be twenty points better, they want to fire the coach. Why? I mean, you know, you win a ball game the first night, and then you get beat the next day, and they want to fire the coach. Well, hey, you didn't want to fire him yesterday when you won. He's the same guy. He did the same things. And in the world, in life, you're going to have situations where you're going to be the second guy. You're not going to win. You're not going to get picked for everything. You're not going to be successful. But 
do everything you can do and do it right. And there's nothing to hang your head about. I mean, I, I go back to there are so many people, parents included. And, I, and I'll say this. When, when we were in school, when we grew up, and I know very little about your youth, but I know you enough well enough to know how you were raised. I didn't care that the teachers were going to paddle me or yell at me or scream at me. I didn't want them to call my dad. I knew what was going to happen if they called my dad. And today it's not that way. And I'm not saying that I'm not blaming. I mean, it's that way in some places. But, you know, I, I see a lot of things where our dynamics of our leadership have changed because it's somebody else's. But when I say leadership, I'm going in the family. I'm going in, into different things like this. You know, it, it, the, it's always the teacher's fault that I failed. I, I didn't do real good on this test because the teacher didn't give me enough notes. Or didn't, I didn't get enough time to study. I didn't do, the, you know, it's always the teacher's fault I failed. It doesn't matter that I didn't study. I didn't do my part. You know, if we have a team project and there's four of us and two of them don't do their problem, you're going to get 50% at best. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not my fault. I you know I you know I didn't do my part, but our team got a fifty. Well, you do your part, and I think the biggest thing in everything is, and you do very good job at this, and 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 it goes into your law enforcement background too. Trust who you're working with, and give them everything, and expect everything back from them. And I I, I would tell you this: I wouldn't expect you to give me a hundred percent of your of your focus and your job and your hard work if I wasn't willing to give it back to you. And that's that's the big we want someone to do the job rather than help them do the job. And I, I, I just I I really I really believe that there's so many things right now that people know. And this is one of my things. People know how to be a leader. People know how to do things right. I think people are scared to step out on that limb sometimes. And I, I have a, well, I have a huge sense of humor. So I've been wrong my whole life. I don't care. I'm short. I'm fat now. I mean, I, I don't care. You can, you know, kids know, kids will laugh at me and I'll tell them all the time, you know, I can't do it just because you can doesn't mean I can run that fast or I can do this or that. You know, I always have a great relationship with them, but it goes back to when you, when you put your team together, kind of like Herb Brooks put the Olympic team together, he knew who they were. You know, he, he knew who Jim Craig was before he put him in that net. You know, when Craig Patrick makes the comment, well, his game seems kind of off. Because you ever seen when his game was on? He knew what he was. Yeah. But he it wasn't there. And it, was, he, it, it wasn't – he wasn't getting it from him, but he gave him that confidence. He gave him that you're that guy. You're the guy in the net. You're the one, you know. And, and you know, once again, I'm going to relate to this movie, but – you know, Jim Craig wouldn't do take didn't want to take the test because they thought it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And Herb said, "You know, are you mad at me because I wouldn't take the test?" He was no, I want to see that guy that wouldn't take the test. So he knew who he had. He just had to get him to believe who he was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things you have kids. We had kids at that school, and you and I've talked about this a lot at the time. We've talked about it even in the past a uh, few years. We had kids that had no shot. They walked in that building as fifth, sixth, seventh graders, and they had no shot in life. But we gave them help to get those choices. Todd Riley was phenomenal at getting kids to understand there's other doors. You don't have to walk through that door all the time. Go through this one. 
and see what happens in this world. Go through, you know, we, we have a, a girl that went to school there, and uh, I don't know what her last name is now. Um, her name was Suhei. And I've talked to, I still talk to her family every once in a while. She has uh, two kids now. Wow. She was like on an island in the eighth grade. She had no idea what she had to get off. And all, all we gave her was the tools that could become a good parent, become a good person. And it wasn't to be a road scholar. It wasn't to be the greatest athlete in the world. It was to be a good person. We gave her the, the caring that, that teachers gave the, you know, gave kids or should give kids to say, Hey, you got a problem. Call me. I mean, she came and talked to me about situations she's dealing with, with her family, with her mom. And, and I learned a lot about her simply because of getting to know people and getting to know her. I, I, you know, she was failing my class and I brought her in, didn't realize that she was basically raising her two sisters because her mom had a night job and she was getting her, putting them to bed, getting them up in the morning, getting them off to school. Mom worked all night long, slept during the day. She's an eighth grader. So I got to do that to my kids now. And I'm 56. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this girl's in the eighth grade and raising two kids and they're, you know, they're her, her brother and sister, but you have to know people and understand when, when we figure that out about her, everything changed. Didn't it? We went from trying to make her be passing the class to say, Hey, turn it in. Let's give some effort. And we're going to help you through everything. And you don't have to be. And, and here's I, I joke with this all the time. C's get degrees. If you have a C in class and you're a C student, don't come argue with the teacher. Cause you got a C cause that's who you are. Know who you are and be who you are. And, and there are people out there that when you start believing and you get kids to believe in themselves, you never know what they can accomplish. I mean, you have no idea what you can accomplish when you get people to believe in themselves. And it's, it's amazing that you say that because there's been um, many times when I have spoken to leaders and, um, and I'm sure you've probably heard this too. And, and I know this is something that we emphasized with a lot of administrators, a lot of teachers and things like that is the impact that you have on an adult, a kid in most cases where we were at, that the one thing that you say to them can change their life for the good or the, or the worst. I've had kids that come and said that, you know, a, a teacher told them, you might as well settle for this because you're not going to be any better than this. But then I've seen people like what you were just talking about, where you see that kid, you see the potential that they don't see right now. It's very hard to see what's going around you. And, and one of the favorite things that, that I was taught. And one of the things I say all the time is it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle, yep. you're seeing what I'm not seeing. Yes. And as a leader, when you recognize that and you understand that um, the power or the ability of words will have the impact that they'll have can change everything. And so as a leader, what I've seen is if you know how, like you were talking about before with, with a coach from Miracle, if you know how to tap into that person, what makes them tick, but you have to take the time to figure it out. Absolutely. You have to show that person you care about them, and mm -hmm. then you're able to build them up and get them to where you, want, you know they can be. How, how, do you, how have you found the best way to help people recognize that, especially adults? That seems to me to be the, the hardest thing because they've gone through life Having people tell them you're no good, whether it's their spouse, whether it's a previous place that they worked, where you may have them now, 
and you say something to them and you see their demeanor change like that because all of a sudden they've gone back to what happened before. Here we go down the same road again. I thought I just left that. How do you repair or even fix that or help somebody? I think one of the biggest things that I do, and it goes back to, and I've mentioned this a lot, is gotten to get to know them, talk to them. And I, and I, I put myself a lot of times, even the kids, I'll talk to kids and, and, and I, you know, I, I don't have a girlfriend. Like, dude, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was in high school. I mean, I was short and stupid and I was, in it, you know, and you, they have to see you as one of them as a person. And when they start seeing, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people, uh, students and, you know, people, I'll, I'll joke with a kid and mess with him. And he'll be laughing and somebody will say, is that, is that your, one of your dad's friends? Or he goes, oh, that's my principal. And they're like, wow, your principal talks to you like that, you know, jokes with you. And, like, my principal. <laughs> and, and that's who I am. I, I, you know, when I work with people, um, you know, you see these, there's, there's a lot of, of people that you don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know how, what their day was like. And so I always, I, I start every day off with good morning. I talk to all the kids and every time I see a kid, I was a hey, hour, you know, how, how was your night? Get some good rest last night. No, I was up studying. I said, I understand, you know, you know, and just, if kids will understand that you're human, you're not this machine that's the head guy. You know, I, I, I go back to big companies, you know, huge companies that are that are worldwide. You know, when the big guy comes and meets the employees and just says hi to them, you know, that should be something that's, you know, I, 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 I've worked for places where, um, oh, man, the so-and-so's here, you know, the, the big boss is here today. But well, that shouldn't change what your job is. You know, when I evaluated teachers, I didn't tell them when I was coming. I didn't set up an evaluation at this hour, at this time, I'm going to be in your class because I don't want a dog and pony show. I want to see what you do every day. When I go in and, and watch the teacher, I watch the kids. I never even listen to what she said or he said. Because if your kids are engaged in what you're doing or, the, or your employees are engaged in what you're doing, they're going to get it. I don't care that you what you I know what you're you know you should know what you're doing and you would be a teacher. Yeah. So I want to see how well, how you're getting across to them. And 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 most of my reports, even to the negative reports I've ever done for a teacher in 20 years as administrator, it was because of kid engagement. This kid wasn't paying attention. Why do we not stop and just make sure he was paying attention? And you did correct him a couple of times to sit down or be quiet or whatever, but make sure he's engaged. Once you have to do that, make sure he's engaged with you. And understanding what you're doing. I'm also a firm believer, and 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 you and I were together at about the time this all started to happen when the Colorado CSAT test came out, where the the big test. Well, they were grading kids on their writing. They were scoring you against me. Well, if I if you and I were walked in there, and the writing thing was about give me the uh, technical strategies of of be uh, breaking down a, you know a door to for a police academy, you're going to be better than I am. I mean, you've done this before, so it's unfair for them to, you know, I'm, I'm not a big one of those generalized tests or, you know, standardized test guys, because tell me what you know. I want to, I want to know you. I don't want everybody to take the same test. And now we see, okay, this guy's not very smart. No, he just doesn't know that. But you did, everybody has something. Everybody yeah. has something. You know, I was decent in math. I'm at subtract multiplying divide guy, but I'm terrible in English. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not good at all but i'm i'm you know it's one of those deals that and you have to find what they have and blossom it pour water over that thing make it 
think it's huge. It, it's it's one of those things, and um, it, it's 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 something that's got to get us back to where we need to be as a as a world is leaders utilizing what somebody does well. Yeah, and and not here here like you you hit the nail on the head while ago. What we used to do, we saw a kid, and rather than saying you're never going to make it in math. We told them, man, look how good you could be in science. They forgot about how bad their math scores were. Now they're thinking about how good they could do in science. And it, it, it's one of those deals that I, 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 I truly believe with everything I've got that, that everybody, God put everybody here for a purpose. Everybody has something that they can give to everybody else and make everybody else better. Figure out what that is and utilize it. Well, and I, I just thought of this when you were talking and I had to look it up because I didn't want to misquote, but um, Mark Cuban, that guy is incredible with some of the thoughts and things that he comes out with. And there was a quote that he said that I had wrote down and it, and it the quote says uh, say that he, that he was talking about the biggest communication problem. He said that the biggest communication problem is we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. Yes. Yes. I've had, numerous com- I've had numerous conversations where people will say, I don't want you to, I don't want to talk to you. I want you to hear me. And it took me for a long time. It took me a long time to understand that, Chuck, because naturally I'm a talker. So I'm, I'm going to talk. So you start talking, I'm going to talk right back. But you know, my daughter, actually, who's the youngest of my four kids, actually taught me a lot of times. She's like, dad, there are times I don't care what your answer is to because dad wants to fix things. Dad, all, you know, dad wants to fix things for his baby girl, no matter what it is, she'll come in frustrated from a test or whatever. And she's upset. And so I'll start telling her how we're going to fix it. She's like, dad, I don't need to fix it. I just want you to listen, just shut up and listen. And, and that's, and that's exactly true. People, when you, when you call me and say, yeah, I, need, I just need to talk to you about something and you start talking, you don't need me to fix it. Just, you know, but, but guys are fixers. People are fixers. People in this world, I want to fix it. I want to fix the problem for you. No, just hear what the problem is. Listen to me and we'll go from there. We'll, we'll work on what it is later, but I just want to get it off my chest right now type of thing. And, and you're right. People in this, in the world today, they don't, they don't just listen to listen anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's, an, it's kind of incredible to, to me when you start learning that kind of stuff and, and how, if you do just what you said, if you just sit, and, and tentatively listen and acknowledge that person nine times out of 10, that's all they want. Yeah. And if you listen everything. to them, they know how to fix their problem mm-hmm. and they'll tell you, and then you can point it out, but yeah. you got to listen first. And, and I think one of the things too is, and, and what you just said, listen to them. Don't listen, trying to figure out the problem. Just listen to them. It'll all come to you. Yeah. And, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of times they know the solution to the problem. They know the, everything about the problem, you know, but it's, it's a scenario where it, once again, as we've talked about, it's the world we live in now. Things have changed so much. I mean, I remember growing up and I know you the same thing. When my dad talked, nobody, talked. I mean, we, we, there wasn't any comments back. It was a one way conversation. He talked, we just went and did what was said, you know, and, you know, and, and, and my dad would say things. At what point did we ever start negotiating? <laughs> you know, so, and it's, it's one of those deals where um, the, the thing is, is, is we have 
there are so many people out there that have so many things to offer. I mean, I, I really truly believe that everybody out there, the, um, you know, you, you look, I'll, I'll even go, this sounds really weird to say this, but driving a road, when you drive on highways anywhere from Oklahoma to Colorado, there's road construction. I promise you. I don't know where it is this month, but I promise you there's road construction somewhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. That guy holding the sign, as as important as that guy driving the guy putting the, the new tar down, because everybody has a job. And if that guy's not there holding the sign to slow people down, look at what could happen. Look at the negative. If they don't put up those cones, look what happens. And people say, oh, I'm, I'm just the guy holding the sign. You're as important as that guy driving, putting the road down. Because if you don't hold that sign, he may get killed. I mean, there, there, there's so many people don't people look at themselves and you have to get them to look at themselves as being the leader. You can be me. You can be the guy up here, because if you don't believe that, you won't do your job well. And I, I you know, people look at their job as, well, I, I don't you know, I'm, I'm not important because I play right field or I'm not important because I, you know, I never get to shoot the basketball or I don't know. You know, I'm not important because. You know, I'm just the water boy. Water boy, how many times, how many, how many people thought that guy was really important when DeMar Hamlin went down and he came over and gave CPR right away like that? How, how important was he before that happened? Now yeah. he's one of the most famous guys around. Yeah. Because he saved that guy's life. But before that happened, he was just another guy. No one really knew who he was. And, and at some point in everyone's lives, it's going to come out that you're going to be called on to do something out of your comfort zone. But it's going to push you to be who you really are. Yeah, you know we've we've been talking about a bunch of things, and I want to uh, take you to a point in here where um, books and training and things like that. I'm a big reader, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm currently reading a book right now that I got to ask you a question, and I don't know if you even if you even know about this book, but I, I bet you know who David L. Cook is. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a famous coach and. Um, very inspiring, motivating. He came out with a book called Greatness. And the the big thing is it's a hundred dollars for his book. It's about a hundred page book and it's a hundred bucks. So you're paying a buck a page for that thing. But I have learned so much so far in reading it about passion, about success, about how to channel those things. And there's other people like Ed Milet, um, Tim Grover, guys like that, that, you know, in, in my feeling, you're right there with them, having seen you with your coaching and stuff like, I'm just waiting for your book to come out. There's a hint for you. <laughs> um, but I, I know that you and how passionate you were still are with, about coaching and stuff like that. You were continually trying to improve and do things. So I guess the next time when we're in, you're in Denver and, and we get together and we're talking and we have lunch and uh, go have some barbecue. That's another story. But uh, um, what would be the one book that you would look at me and say, Chuck, you've got to read this. This will help you with every aspect of what you're doing. It'll change the way you do things. What would that book be? Uh, a lot of the books that I read are motivational type books. And I'm, I'm going to go back to a book right now called America's Coach that Herb Brooks wrote. It's about mm-hmm. motivation. I'm, I'm a huge Herb Brooks fan. I think when Herb 
passed away. He killed a lot of things. And it's not because of success is the gold medal. It's the way he did things. To me, Herb Brooks would have been Herb Brooks if they'd never won the 80 gold medal. I mean, that's to me. He changed those guys' lives forever. And um, one of the other, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball guy, as we talked about. Derek Jeter wrote a book called The Life I Imagine. It's a book about Derek Jeter's life I imagine. Derek Jeter, at five years old, told his mom and dad, I'm going to be the Yankee shortstop. When I grow up, I'm going to be the Yankee shortstop with five World Series rings. When he went to his junior senior prom, they said, what will you be in 10 years? And he says, I'll be the Yankee shortstop with five World Series rings. And in 10 years, he was the Yankee shortstop with four World Series rings at the time. Wow. He has five now, but he had four then. And it's, it's, it's a setting a goal. Because I guarantee how many people, when you say, I'm going to be the Yankee shortstop at five years old, how many times did mom and dad go, yeah, really, whatever. You know, he was a Yankee fan because his grandmother was a Yankee fan. Uh, his mom and dad were not even really baseball fans. They, you know, he, a lot of people don't know this. Derek Jeter did not sign. He got drafted out of high school to play pro baseball, but he had signed to play basketball at the University of Michigan. And so he was a big-time basketball player. Um I'm real big on goal setting and setting them where they're up. I, I set your goals here. Don't set you don't don't be content to be where you are and never. Um, you know, I, using what you just said, I'll go. My son has a saying, and he's a big reader. He reads a lot of these uh, Tony Robbins and a lot of the money books and how to motivate yourselves. And Every time we'll say something, no matter what it is, they could say, hey, we're going to buy a car and it's $5,000 or we're going to buy a, uh, a new whatever. And he always says, you get what you pay for. You paid $100 for that book and I promise you it's worth every penny. Mm -hmm. I could give you a book and for 15 bucks and it might not be worth 15 bucks. But he knows what he's talking about. Paying a dollar, I mean, in my opinion, paying a dollar a page for a book from him Probably is cheap. You probably get off cheap on that because the things it's going to teach you and the things and places it's going to take you personally are worth way more than a hundred bucks. And I think a lot of times when you go into any job, I know when I'm looking at a coach, a teacher, a anybody that I'm looking at, the confidence level they have when they come in stands out for me. Stands out big time. Um, there's a difference very fine line between confidence and arrogance <laughs> yeah. and, and being an administrator, you have to know which, what they are, but uh, the confidence level of knowing I can do the job, knowing I can get those kids where they need to be always stood out for me. And I, and I, you also can tell right away when you have a conversation with them, are they able to have those human relationships that you know are very, very vital? And do they have that demeanor about themselves? And it's a, sixth sense to figure out if they have that or not if you you have the feeling on it you know and and and, and i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna lie there's been times i've been wrong i mean i've hired people that i thought would be unbelievable and they really didn't turn out to who i thought they would be but mm -hmm. i've also hired people that i didn't think would be great but we needed them at that time and they turned out to be a rock star so i was you know you you, you mess up you take a shot here and there and there and and the ones that you are not 100 percent positive with you just give them a lot of that support. You give a lot of you stay behind them. You keep pushing them and they, they will get there. They get to the, be at the point. Well, Larry, I want to, I want to thank you for being on the show and for the, 
insights that you've given us today. I think you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of truths. And and that's the big thing is is being straight up and honest with people in in knowing what it's going to take to succeed. And um, before we go, I want to I want to just acknowledge you and thank you for what you do and what you've done and what you have taught me. You know, there was a lot of times, even though I was an officer and you were an administrator, that um, I thought I knew what I was going to do. And after listening to you and, and what you said, um, sometimes you changed my mind and decided, you know, there's a different route that I need to go on, different road that I need to do. And to have somebody that has that ability and that insight to look into a person. And I saw how you cared about people. And, and that was the number one priority. And that's something that I learned from you. Um, just like 100% accountability, a lot of the principles that I believe in, um, you emulated. And so I want to thank you for not only your passion, but your willingness to be an open book to people, for them to be able to see you and to see you work and to, and to know that you care. It's such a rarity, even today, to have somebody that has that desire to better people. And I want to thank you for doing that because a lot of times we give and give and give, but we never hear or receive that confirmation back. So I just want to thank you for all you've done and, and what you continue to do. It's it's valuable and it's needed. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I and once again, as like going back to what we've talked about in our conversation today, uh, seeing you, knowing who you were, getting to know you as a friend as a hockey fan uh, that you and I shared a lot of the passions that we had for hockey and, and then being around you and, and watching you be an SRO at a job, which is tough because there were lots of times you and I had where you had to be a, a cop and you had to, you know, do your job. And, and I think I want to believe that being where you were with the people you were, Todd Riley, myself, and the three of us getting to, collaborate on a lot of different situations uh, made you look at things a little bit different than, than you're probably trained out of an academy or something. So there's always, to me, there's always something out. And, and, you know, I saw things in you, you're an amazing man. And when like, so one of my closest friends, I told a, a friend about you today, we were talking about you and I said, listen, he's one of my best friends. I said, I don't see him, <laughs> you know, once every five years, 10 years, I said, but he's still somebody he knows if he needed me tomorrow, I'd be there in a heartbeat. And I exactly. said, that's just, that's that's who it is, and 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 it's something that we saw the very first time together at, at York Middle School. We just kept, you know, going right into where we went and and had some great times in our lives together. And we've had uh, uh, there's always been ups and downs, but you know it is what it is. It's 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 a that's who, that's that's the world we live in. And 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 no one seeing you, learning from you, learning from Todd. You know, I feel that I was a pretty good administrator and I became that being around you guys and learning from you because you remember uh, I was a teacher when we met I became administrator after we you know you helped me get my start and you know at Thornton and different things and Todd helping me and and it's it was I, I really owe you guys a lot uh, it's great to to have you on and I look forward to having you on an, on a future show that we'll come up with and uh, get some more insights from you so thanks for being here and uh, look forward to having you back on the show at some time I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Language of Leadership. This podcast is dedicated to help you navigate your leadership journey. You will learn the language and skills you need to be the leader 
you want to be. Remember, the language of leadership is an art. It is why your team wants to follow you. Take care.